0: Coming to you live from a radio tower near you, studying the intersections of video games and science, this is Science. Hey everyone, Madison here. Uh, Today I'm joined with... Anna Roo. And... And Jared. Yay, look at that. It's a party. Welcome back to Pokey Science. Uh today's a special. It's our first Q&A episode. I'm so excited to deliver this to you all. Uh we're hopefully trying to make this a new common thing around here. We want to get your question, your input, and your feedback and answer what you know what questions we're leaving you with cuz that's what good education is, is response to your students. The more you know. Boom. I have some very important announcements I have to make and I just I I'm really excited to share these with you all. The next time you come to visit this show and listen to an episode, you're probably going to notice something different. Maybe a new logo, maybe a different name. Don't worry. It's still the same great show, but sometimes, you know, just like the Avengers had to become the new Avengers, sometimes we got to rebrand a little bit to bring in, as Luke Cage says it, sweet Christmas. So with that said, I am so excited. Uh, We're also going to be cutting back from Wednesday episodes a little bit. We have two more introductions, as you can tell with my lovely co-hosts here. I have to put out there, uh, but we're going to try to tear it out. So Wednesdays are just going to be every other week for going forward for now. Uh, That said, thank you all. Love you all. So we're going to jump in here. We have so many plant questions, and I'm so thankful for all of your responses. As we begin, I need to ask you, Jared, because... You know way more than I do. What are plants? (laughs) How are they different from animals? Are fungus plants or animals? Or why is it hard to tell this all apart? Yeah. So
1: plants are kind of easy. We'll talk about them. They have several different characteristics that differentiate them from animals and from fungi. So they contain chlorophyll, so they can actually photosynthesize. There are a few sections. We'll talk about them later on that don't photosynthesize, but a general characteristic of plants is they can do photosynthesis. Plants are also rooted in one place. Animals move around, as we so lovely see in our day-to-day life, especially if you own pets. They like to move around, though. They also do like to sleep a lot, but that's how we deal with it. But they can also, like, plants really, they don't really move. They might move their leaves in response to, like, different stimuli. Venus flytraps move their plants when they swallow animals. Not, well, insects, but we'll go into there later. Plants, on a cellular basis, they have cellulose. They also, of course, have the chlorophyll. Cellulose, though, is what makes their cell walls. Uh, animals do not have a cell wall. They only have a cell membrane. And
0: Can I ask a question? Yeah. As someone who, and I admire all of you and like your life sciences so much. <laughs> it's not my cup of tea. What's the difference between a cell membrane and a cell wall?
1: A cell membrane is what we all have. It helps to keep, um, helps like provide like a defense for us. The cell wall is more actually like a structural thing in plants. Oh. So you can kind of see like on photos, you'll be able to see like, actually, honestly, I've learned about on onions, onion cells, you can see how they're like very straight, very narrow. You won't see that as much with plant cells. Uh, not with, with animal cells. Sorry.
0: Huh. You heard it here. Plants are straight. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted your question though, and you were doing on such a roll there. But I had to know, and I'm so sorry. Uh- no, it's
1: good. Well, I laughed because you talk about our plant. Straight, we're literally going to talk about their sex life, which is a little <laughs> bit different than, uh, um, well, they're, they're they're how they do their uh, life cycle. So they are different from animals and okay. fire fungi because they have what's called the alternation of generations. So they have gametophytes and then they have sporophytes. Gametophytes is like the sexual phase. So your gamete production and sporophytes are the non-sexual uh, part of the plant, the non-sexual phase of their plant. So a tree is a very good example of a sporophyte. That is a sporophyte. The, the pine cones, the seeds inside are like your gametes, or your wow. big gametophyte. Um, different plants have different dominant phases. Your mosses, your ferns, uh, liverworts, so your bryophytes in general, all have the gametophyte as their dominant phase. And then your trees... Well, your angiosperms and your gymnosperms, your flowering plants, and your plants that actually grow seeds are all um, going to be sporophyte dominant in their life cycle. So how do plants differ from, uh, from animals? I can keep this really short and really sweet. Uh, plants don't move. Animals move a lot. And uh, plants have cellulose and chlorophyll and can photosynthesize. Animals cannot, except for some symbiotic relationship we'll talk about and I'll talk about later on.
0: I thought plants, uh, some plants actually do move in a way though, right? Because they they can grow in a path towards different things, right?
1: Yeah. They're like, so plants still are rooted in one place. Animals can actually move from place to place. Even if it's a small difference, plants can, uh, animals can actually move. Plants, yeah, they can grow in a specific way. Like sunflowers, they always have their head facing towards the sun. Leaves will go... Uh, Some of them will grow in a way that they'll go closer to the sun for nutrients, but they stay rooted in one place.
0: Okay, so that's different because they're not like moving their roots.
1: Yeah, yeah, the roots move like down, but they don't like actually like move spaces.
0: Okay, that's, I guess that was my confusion because I I actually, while it's not my cup of tea, I do love to, any type I get get to listen to science, and I was listening to a, a, uh, episode on Radio Lab about uh, plants that were pavlonian conditioned <laughs> to grow in the direction of a bell.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of things I actually want to listen to that because there are things about how <laughs> plants respond to like sound
0: uh-huh. and it's yeah, really it was, it was
1: interesting.
0: All, it was all about that, about how like they grow towards like the sound of pipes and stuff and it was so interesting to me. Like, like wow, like you don't think about the fact that like, your trees are hearing things. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> uh, Okay, I'm so sorry for interrupting your questions, but this is actually oh. like super interesting to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then the only thing I was going to end with is fungi, how they're different, because fungi are not plants and they are also not animals. They belong to their whole other uh, different phyla. My taxonomy is a little rusty. They would be, they were classified as plants for the longest time. And then they're so different enough from plants that they separated them. Plants have cell walls made of cellulose, fungi have chitin instead and then um the other thing is plants are autotrophs for the most part your parasitic plants are not or your carnivorous plants sorry and then for the most part your fungi are all uh, heterotrophs so they get their resources in a different way they're not making their own uh, energy they have to get it from somewhere else
2: Uh, one quick question about fungi itself uh you said that plant cell walls have cellulose uh, fungi have chitin is that how it's pronounced Chitin, yep. Uh, what exactly is chitin? Is it is it similar to yeah. cellulose? Is it its own version? It's it's
1: a similar version to cellulose. It's just um, I actually don't remember the full difference of what chitin how like it differs completely from fungi from um, from cellulose, but it does the same port of like structure base, mm-hmm. but it's just a different uh, evolutionary adap- adaptation.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and like fungi are like stupid complex too. Like some of them have like seventy some sexes and stuff. Like they're like they they blow everything out of the park with how like how diverse and interesting they really are.
1: Yeah, my old botany professor studied uh, fungi exclusively. That was his favorite thing. And I, <laughs> no, that is not anywhere near my expertise.
0: <laughs> so we don't go mushroom hunting with you in the woods. Got it. Yeah, no. Don't. All right. Uh, Henry, I'm turning it over to you.
1: Yeah, uh, so plants,
2: and I think we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier with plants having the ability to sort of listen and hear music. I think uh, there's one theory or concept that I remember hearing as a kid, and I'm not sure how real it is. Of uh, if you want your plants to grow really well, just listen to Beethoven.
0: No, it's supposed to be metal. It's metal music. It's metal. It's metal music. Yeah, there was a whole thing on it a couple summers ago on Science Friday. It's actually metal music. People uh, studied it. and It has to again. It's the vibrations. Metal has more vibrations. Well, uh,
2: leading into that, then, you uh, ask the big question, the question that we all know. Uh, a twofold question. One, are plants metalheads? And two, building into that, are they sentient? Do they understand the metal music? Is that hardcore music?
1: I definitely think um, the cacti I grew were more like a Vegem Semfold, uh, Three Days Grace fans, because they definitely grew pretty well when I rocked out to that while I was in the, in the greenhouse. But... Um, <laughs> So you ask like one of the hardest questions in the world with plant sentience because that's what depends I on who you ask. <laughs> Honestly, it is kind of contentious. So,
0: well, can I can I pause really quick because that's a cultural thing too, right? Like I know that Western cultures tend to view animals as non sentient as well too, and I I think uh, my favorite example is the way that uh, Tolkien and Lewis uh to you know i always i always try to think of them as like the great world's greatest rivals where like they were friends but then like also hated each other and, and like tolkien was like you know uh these animals are intelligent and smart and then lewis was, like that's freaking dumb beast only this one can talk but the rest are dumb beasts and you're like wait what <laughs> so like i i do think that's like the cultural viewpoint too because anyone that's had like a pet you're like wait a minute I don't know. My dog seems to be pretty smart. Mine backtalks, so I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: (laughs) So I think it was, if you look at, like, the actual definition of sentience, it's the ability of having faculty or capability to think, reason, feel pain, and have emotions. Sentient beings could be viewed as capable of feeling physical or psychological suffering.
0: So are jellyfish sentient (laughs) well that's they have no central nervous system <laughs> they they definitely well, don't think
1: well that's like plants plants don't have a central nervous system yeah they don't they don't they also don't have a brain, so do they actually feel emotions like a human or like a jellyfish does but the thing is like there's a it's the noro botany lab in Florence thinks that they are conscious beings because they are aware of their surroundings from how they grow with their nutrients, and then they respond to external stimuli does that prove that they're actually sentient reading the article and all the parts back of it? Cause it's honestly one of the coolest questions to ever ask. No one really knows. They're all kind of like trying to see if it act, if they are or not. But like the thing that I was, and I've looked at and like, I've thought about it too, is for plants behave so differently than humans and animals that sometimes the terms that we have for sentience or conscious or anything like that probably doesn't apply to plants because they, are, they behave so differently than anything else that we've ever studied. So, they might need actual new terms to describe them. So, are they sentient? Honestly, like every other scientist that has looked at it, we haven't figured it out yet. So, we don't really truly know.
0: Well, and that goes into, like, I think, because of, uh, of my background with cognitive neurodevelopment, um, like, the whole concept of, like, <laughs> do, you know, our, are young children like you know are are they able to to have the same kind of feeling and thinking capabilities too? Like the difference between a you know a four month old and 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 a two year old is is really is really drastic. Like mm-hmm. one is just kind of like I exist and poop, and the other one's like if I touch this pokey thing, it will hurt. <laughs> it's very different beings in, in a short time. <laughs> So yeah, maybe it's a hard, maybe I think that's a good question that maybe the language we use to define it and define these topics is maybe needing to be adjusted.
1: And that's kind of where everyone's been kind of leading towards is we got to figure out new terms of how to actually describe it instead.
0: Yeah. Welcome to science. (laughs) Found out what you, that what you thought you knew was wrong. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I need to ask you this, like, what do you most enjoy about plants?
1: Um, one just how crucial they are to ecosystems in general they are the basis of everything without plants we don't have energy so your herbivores don't eat and then you don't have your carnivores and then it, of course goes up to us and you know killer whales because they're the top of the food chain but uh <gasps> i love them a lot and then also just the fact that they're just really diverse and they're really cool to just to like Learn about because yeah, like I said, they behave so differently and act so differently than anything else you can ever study. It's just cool to look into.
0: My feelings on humans. So.
2: <laughs> I think I think this is a good point to uh, no longer talk about humans and plants, but instead Pokemon, a combination of both.
0: Maybe. <laughs> We've all seen Breloom. <laughs>
2: Uh, Jared, what is your favorite plant-based Pokemon since we're talking about plants now, and why is it Breloom?
1: (laughs) It is not Breloom, because Breloom is not a plant, unfortunately. Sorry to everyone, that's not your favorite plant Pokemon. It's a great grass type. It is a great grass fighting type. It gets bodied by flying. But uh, uh, My favorite would be it's really hard to decide uh, because I love Roserade and then Victory Bell. Victory Bell just because of I love pitcher plants they're really cool carnivorous plants. Rose arrayed because honestly we're talking about everything that you know is wrong. Roses don't have thorns they have pr- prickles and is blew my mind in botany when I heard that I'm just like what that's <laughs> weird. <'Cause,
2: laughs> yeah, because that I, goes against the entire uh, the, the 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 idea like the sayings and all of the, the, yeah,
1: the every rose has its thorn and no it's actually every rose <laughs> has its prickles.
0: I like that song better (laughs) every rose has its prickles
1: so that always has like that's one of the biggest reasons why I love it so much
0: I think you taught me that actually I yeah the the first when you first came on the show as a guest years ago and I interviewed you I think you taught me that and I was like oh that's super cool (laughs) yep I oh I gotta ask this one so uh, Anna what is your favorite plant Pokemon
2: well, gee, out of the variety of topics out there, Breloom's rising up that list. But uh, <laughs> um, I think, in terms of plant based Pokemon, uh, one of the more obvious planty ones in my head is Tropius. I think it's a really oh. cool Pokemon. Um, I've always enjoyed Hoenn's one of my favorite regions in general. And then Tropius itself is literally just a-, a banana plant, effectively. And it's a dinosaur. It combines two really cool, completely irrelevant from each other concepts uh that i personally (laughs) really enjoy and plus you know who doesn't like uh a a pokemon that theoretically could eat its own like your your your, your ear yeah it's earrings effectively
0: Uh. (laughs) oh my gosh that's great uh
2: but that's mine madison what is your favorite oh lilligant lilligant lilligant
0: lilligant 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 i love her uh she's one of my absolute favorites uh And I, my Liligant is named Scarlet and has been since uh, whenever Black and White came out. 2011? 10? Somewhere Somewhere around
2: there. Yeah.
0: I know where I was living. I don't remember the exact year. I know where I was living, though. (laughs) I think it was 10. So, yeah. I think it was 10. Yeah. Yeah. Lilligant's adorable and it just needs to be cuddled. I'm going to ask the first question. So, Chuka, whose favorite plant Pokemon is Breloom, and again, we have nothing. We're not hurting on you. We're not, I promise you, we're not trying to make fun of you. Uh, it's an inside joke. We've, it's really late at night, and the three of us have been hanging out here for a little bit. Uh, but Chuga, who loves Breloom, asks, are plant Pokemon animals?
1: So I've always viewed plant Pokemon as like hybrids because mm-hmm. they have some of the functionality of uh, animals because they move around. Like we see in like Scarlet and Violet, you see the Sunflower waddling around in the field and they get sent. All over the town, uh, for you to go hunt down and find. Uh, and you see it in the anime too. You see the plant Pokemon moving around, but they all still have still have the characteristics of plants. And we'll talk about uh, a really cool symbiotic relationship later on down the line that kind of might shed some light in like how you would do hybrids with plants and how they are kind of seen. But I've always considered them. Um, hybrid plant animals, Planimals. as we'll So likely call them plantimals. just high. Uh, I love that. Because they're, they're hybrids. Because it's one of those, like, you can see, like, Victory Bell is a pitcher plant. Uh, Obama Snow is literally a walking, what, kaiju slash evergreen tree. <laughs> yeah. Trevenant, we'll talk about Trevenant later on. Um, But Trevenant is a tree, but also a dryad from, like, Greek mythology. I think it's Greek. Yeah, uh, we'll,
0: we'll be talking about that at some point soon.
1: So that's, like, they're hybrids the plant Pokemon are not just like animals. They're also have, a lot of them have other aspects with them, either mythological base. Uh, Bulbasaur is, uh, Bulbasaur is a frog. So stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it's a frog right. Pokemon with a bulb on the back. And we'll talk about actually that, because they're kind of, there's a really cool amphibian relationship between plants and animals we'll talk about later on. But yeah, they're plant animals. They're hybrids.
0: Do you think, so just my question. Uh, and I know it's something that we're going to be covering here soon. I don't know if it's next month or not. Uh, but so there are rules of, you know, now that we have convergent and divergent evolution in Pokemon. I mean, do you think it's possibility that like plant Pokemon, I mean, especially because we have egg groups and stuff. Like maybe they're kind of like fungus in our worlds, where like they essentially are their own evolved niche. Like their own evolved like classification where... You know they are sentient plants, and that's why you know your Lilligant can't breed with your Charizard.
1: Yeah, actually, that'd be that's a really cool idea and a really cool theory because that would actually kind of make a lot of sense where they've just evolved into their own <laughs> yeah niche.
0: Yeah, that's that was kind of my thought.
2: <laughs> it's really fascinating to look at that, just see how uh, closely related a lot of these topics are. Because at certain times, you, you t- tend to get enveloped in the idea that the Pokemon games are a Pokemon game, and then when you look and see how closely they're related to the real world, it's really fascinating. Uh, Speaking of, Light Lab, whose favorite plant Pokemon is Lotad, asks, which Pokemon should be able to photosynthesize, but as far as we know, can't?
1: So, the only way I came off of the basis of this question was to look at the move synthesis from Pokemon, just thinking about, because I was like, a lot of them should be able to because like cacturn, it's a different type of photosynthesis because there's three different types of it. Um, i not going to go into that because that takes, we don't have an hour to go
0: through that. so. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to um, earn my botany PhD right now.
1: <laughs> so like, I, like when I was thinking about this question, I was like, okay, do I, how do I go off of this? So I was looking at like either the moves synthesis or like ingrain. Synthesis more because that's actually affected by the weather. Mm -hmm. If you have more sunlight, you get better HP. So looking off a list of plants, the ones that aren't on there that can't learn it either by breeding or by, uh, what do you want to call it? by uh, Just by level up in general. So cacturn and uh, cacnea, which is hilarious because uh, maractus can learn it. And they're all all cactuses. So that's just uh, carnivine can't. Uh, which they're carnivorous plants, so they don't really get, they don't really photosynthesize in general because mm-hmm. they get all their energy more from uh, eating insects an arachnids than uh, actual photosynthesis. I'm trying to think if there was any other ones. There wasn't any other ones, though looking at this list that does make me laugh is Roselia can learn it by level up, but uh, Badoo and Roserade cannot. So
2: That's interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah. But um, looking at that, that's kind of what I kind of when I thought about that question, I'm just like, okay, let's see what Pokemon can actually learn synthesis. Some that's you actually absorb literal energy from the sun to replenish your health. In that sense, that's their photosynthesis. Does it actually work? So, and so really, the ones that can't are Cacne and Cacturne, which they do have photosynthesis in the real life. Uh, it's called CAM photosynthesis, and then uh, Carnivine doesn't. Really, because of their being carnivorous, they get all their energy from uh, the sun instead. And stuff from food.
2: Perfect thing talking about photosynthesis as well, as uh, Jen, whose favorite Pokemon is Scovillain, asks, We often say many grass-type Pokemon can photosynthesize, and we sort of proved it with the study there. uh, Just basically finding that all sorts of Pokemon can learn synthesis. But could photosynthesis as we know it be enough to fulfill the energy need of a full-fledged animal or planimal, as we're sort of coining at this point? How could it be more effective to power an animal? And if it can't, and the Pokemon still needs to eat food to survive, what purpose would photosynthesis have instead?
1: So I thought about it that photosynthesis for real-life plants is designed for something that stays in the ground, stays rooted in the ground, and moves around that way. So they're not taking into account mobility. Plant Pokemon or plant animals move around a whole lot. So I don't really think photosynthesis as we know it in the real world would actually work f- and keep a full-fledged Pokemon functional. However, mm-hmm. Pokemon gives us moves that replenish your energy as a grass type. Absorb, Giga Drain, Horn Leech, and I had the other one on here. Well, of course, you got Mega Drain as well. Uh, Leech Seed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got moves instead that replenish energy. So I think of them kind of like parasitic plants, where they are carnivorous plants. They get some energy from photosynthesis, but not enough energy. So they need more. So they absorb it from things around them instead, from the poron-suspecting water types that are um, caught in their wake. (laughs) So that's how I've kind of thought about it.
0: (laughs) So there is something I know because of uh, one of the panels we've done. I know that there are animals that do photosynthesize. Uh, One of the ornamental hornets does. And I know that they do it, though, not as a main energy source. But almost like you said, like, it's a secondary energy source for when their other options aren't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is a good idea that, like, maybe, you know, all of the plant Pokemon probably could photosynthesize, especially if they have a mm-hmm. common plant ancestors. Mm-hmm. But you're right. like They probably would need some sort of food source. But I like the idea of the fact that they're vampiric. And that's why they do like Giga Drain and stuff. It's it's not like I, like Roserade's going around being like, oh no no, I need your life force because I need to live. Like to me, that's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like the fact that plant Pokemon are vampiric. Yeah,
1: that'd be really really cool. <laughs> I like I really like that idea actually. <laughs> I don't see Rose <gasps> Raid walking around. Let me give you a hug with my prickles. Oh, by the way, I'm taking your life force from you. Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, now you're gonna die like two years earlier. <laughs> uh, that's
2: fun. That's as far as <laughs> I'll go with that. Um, uh, let's let's go to a lighter topic than vampire Pokemon. Uh, Nick, whose favorite plant type Pokemon is Rowlet, asks: Are there real world examples of plants that move and make sounds like Pokemon?
1: So we've kind of hit on like sunflowers already they move their heads towards the sun, so they they move not in a sense of like walking around going like, "Hey, I'm a plant, let's go, let's go have some fun more the idea of a they can move their leaves to like stimuli. you've got of course your Venus fly traps that actually close their hair trigger jaws to um eat a fly or anything that goes in there. They're really freaking cool um, but like plants can make sounds. They've done a study where they were detecting air bubbles popping inside of plants that I thought was really kind of cool to listen about. So, okay, plants have this thing called the xylem. It's what moves water from the ground and from above throughout the plant so it actually gets the water. However, when it's in the ground and they're getting it from the ground, they can suck up and then keep on sucking up. And then if it's really dry, they instead do, um, they'll just have an air bubble go up inside of it. Like, like bubbles that uh, humans can get in like their, uh, in their arteries or in their like bloodstream, stuff like that, like a clot. That's -hmm. what happens to them instead. But they found those plants actually can pop them on their own. And that is a sound that you can hear if you listen to it. It's a very, very, uh, remember if it's high pitched or low sound that you can actually hear a plant make. And it was something that I thought was like, that's really cool that a plant actually does make sound and then they are trying to see if plants can actually like communicate with each other and seeing if there's like a way that they're actually like talking to each other so that's kind of still a lot of that stuff is still really ongoing
0: i do want to comment quick uh and i know because i do oh. listen to t- way too many science podcasts and i know that my youngest would rather me put on the encanto soundtrack but sorry Haley, like <laughs> i love you uh that said i know that like plants share nutrients too through like their roots networks yeah like they actually And I know that that also has to go into like the fungal and microbe relationships and networks and that whole uh, idea of those uh, symbiotic connections. But like to me, that's so interesting. The fact that like we don't learn about that, about how complex plant networks are, the fact that they share nutrients, they can share water, they they can make sure each other is getting whatever, you know, minerals that they need and they just share it with each other. And that's so cool. Uh, But you're right. The plant Pokemon definitely... (laughs) They're moving too much. Stop moving, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the next one. Uh, Nick, who likes Turtwig, and Dominic, who likes Snivy. They asked a really similar question, so I'm just going to ask you guys one question. So the Pokemon world has uh, Pokemon who are half animal and half plant. Like, Are there real world examples, or could that appear in nature?
1: So one of the coolest amphibians I've ever like gotten to actually like, read about and study, the spotted salamander. So what they found with this species, it actually has a relationship with algae and the algae grows inside the embryo of the salamanders themselves and you can see it you can actually see like literal pictures that they've gone through the river and studied and you can actually see the green inside of it so they grow with the algae inside of them so what that does is that the animal the salamander now gets a secondary oxygen source kind of like the hornet where it still gets its own energy by eating But it also can get more oxygen if it wants it from a plant, from the algae. And the Mm -hmm. algae gets all the cell waste from the uh, salamander. So they have that really cool symbiotic relationship where they both – well, mutualism, where they both get what they want. They both get something out of the deal. It's not just one person benefiting from it. And I always thought that's fascinating because they've really found that if the algae – if they've separated them from each other, the algae actually goes dormant and won't actually do anything. And the salamanders that don't have the algae growing inside of them do a lot worse at surviving than the ones that do. So they've pretty much now evolved to have the algae as a part of their life cycle and growing with it. So that's kind that's of like really, a really cool yeah. plant-animal hybrid that you get to get from um, in, in the real world. Could there be like actual plant hybrids that could actually like more exist? So far, the salamander is the only vertebrate. There is a sea slug. And then the hornet that both have relationships with plants as well. But um, on a vertebrate level, probably it'd have to probably be an amphibian if I had to guess. Uh, humans, that's not going to happen unless someone genetically alters us to do that. Um, good old Gattaga, uh going on. <laughs> um, I mean, we,
0: we just talked about that in the last episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's like the only way you could really probably have it in a human. In animals, it'd have to evolve over time. But I think with a lot of our animals, they are so complex that that probably wouldn't happen. And amphibians, super cool, have like a plant that actually can grow in them. I don't know if I'd see like a vine or something like that that would grow on top of an animal because I'd probably just kill the animal.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. It
1: wouldn't be very beneficial. It'd be probably something that would wrap around it and kill it. So that's more what you would see. But we have a couple. There's like four. There's one other one that I don't remember besides the sea slug, the hornet, and the salamander. But Hmm.
2: Uh, Sort of building on that and building into our next question that is also another two-parter, Isaac, whose favorite Pokemon is Ivysaur, and Ben, who, like me, is a Tropius fan, ask very similar questions, so we'll combine them here as well, and they have to do with Bulbasaur. So what is the real-world inspiration for the Bulbasaur line, from Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, Venusaur, in terms of a plant inside of an animal, and generally sort of building into that, one of the things that Ben mentions is that the deck says the bulb on its back is planted. So are they the same organism? Are they separate? Can Bulbasaur live without the bulb? Could we see some uh bulbosaurs without houses anytime soon
1: or something like that? <laughs> Just a little so, you know, like a little shell house. Thing. So <laughs> I kind of base it off like the salamander. Their amphibians are very similar to each other. Bulbasaur's a frog, that whole line's a frog, and then you've got and well, toad with Venusaur if I remember correctly. And then you've got a salamander. Um The bulb, they say that the bulb is planted on its back. So I've always assumed that like, hey, they're, in that case, they kind of look like they're separate um, animal, but I've always thought about like, they are more like the salamander. They, the uh, bulb is on the very, from the very beginning when the Bulbasaur is born, when it's planted. So it's just kind of like the salamander in a sense that they both kind of grow up together and that's what goes through the line. That's kind of how I've always perceived the Bulbasaur line. Because, like we've seen, that yeah, is literally a plant growing inside of an animal. A microscopic mm-hmm. plant, well, when you get a bunch of them together, there's, there's a lot of them. But algae inside of a salamander, you've now got a giant flower on the back of a giant frog.
0: Well, but like Bulbasaur is clearly a frog too, which like ties into that whole like amphibian point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I that was what the, I gotta say, like, that was my favorite thing about Let's Go Eevee, is all the people that were like, Bulbasaur is a dinosaur, it's not a frog, and then finally it hops. And I was like, yes. <laughs> okay, well, Venusaur's is sitting here hopping. I don't know what you're going to say now. Like, it's hopping like a frog, it looks like a frog, it feels like a frog, it's a frog, yo.
2: To be fair, we we don't have proof that dinosaurs couldn't hop. Now. <laughs> now. We you do have
0: proof know. that Tyrannosaurus Rexes could only run so fast.
2: <laughs> well, What if they're just consistently hop? Never mind, this is the wrong show for that. Uh, <laughs> Instead of that, let's go to another question from (laughs) Ferrando, whose favorite grass-type Pokemon is a victory bell named Hyacinth. Hyacinth. Hyacinth? Hyacinth. Hyacinth?
0: It's a plant. It's a ah, plant. that's probably why I can't. It's, it's, it's
2: a genus of plants. Yeah, it's oh, a I'm really gonna, good
0: name. They're like real world plants. Yeah.
2: <laughs> gotcha. This is a name that went over my head. <laughs> uh, they, they ask, uh, ferro seed are mostly found in caves where there isn't sunlight and feed from minerals, metals, and moss. Are there actual plants that thrive without sunlight? Also, what is ferro seed based off of? So question mark on the pharaoh seed, just in general.
1: So Pharaoh Seed, all right, we'll get Pharaoh Seed, what it's based off of, out of the way first. It's a durian fruit. By um, hmm. the shape of it and then just like the amount of thorns that it has on the outside of it, it literally means in Malay, durian literally means thorns, which makes sense for a Pokemon mm-hmm. that's got iron barbs and uh, hurts you when you hit it. Um, Dorian fruits are really also really hard to cut into. Makes sense with the steel typing that goes with it. Also, they kind of represent like cockleburs or like spurs or stuff like that that get caught in your clothing as well. To answer the cave part of the question, so caves can be split into three parts. We'll do this off the bat. There is the entrance zone where there's a lot of sunlight. The only place things that you're going to find there are your flowering plants because they need a lot of sunlight to be able, because they need a lot of energy to grow a flower. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of energy to be a flowering uh, plant. And then you have the twilight zone. Your twilight zone is going to be your mosses, your ferns, your liverworts, stuff like that, where they are they don't need as much sunlight to survive because they don't have a flower that's growing. They have leaves, but they don't have flowers. So they can survive without as much sunlight as a flowering plant can. Then you've got the dark zone. So algae can actually grow really far um deep into caves because it kinda does it kinda survives off of other minerals and nutrients. So you've like in caves you can have like Uh, puddles or ponds or like little lakes like lake caves that's where a lot of algae can grow it's not really good for the cave but happens uh but they can actually survive off of like other nutrient systems so uh bat guano. it's a very great example of out of something that they could survive off of so you can have plants that live back there but it's going to be a lot more of your more um your basic plants Ones that don't have a lot of things going on with them. So your algae is the most basic of all plants. So that's what's going to survive back there.
0: So the ones that, uh, you know, they like to watch the real housewives of uh, Orange County, the basic plants.
1: They, they, they drink their um, pumpkin spice lattes and have yeah, rug boots yeah. all during the fall. <laughs> right. yep. yeah, that's what we're going off of. So that's your algae. Basic um, plants.
0: And I say that, and I'm sure she'll listen to this, too. Uh, my ex-girlfriend loves pumpkin spice latte, yeah. and I still love you to death, uh, even though you do, because you're wrong.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you can't have plants that can survive that deep into caves, but they have to be something that's, very, that's not very complex. It's very primitive.
0: so alan who likes bulbasaur i like bulbasaur too uh what would be an unheard of grass plant pokemon or plant-based pokemon that would have like specific or special dual typing in your opinions like grass goes grass fire grass ice grass rock grass but we kind of got fire grass thanks to our pepper boy
1: yep so the fire grass is finally done with the pepper which is really cool and is a fantastic pokemon and we have ice Um,
0: grass too
1: we do with the bomb of snow, so if we do ice grass, anything that'd be ice grass, I'd call more like your tundra. So like Arctic moss. Uh plants that can actually survive in like the freezing cold would make the most sense of an ice grass type. Um fire grass, uh I love I really wanted a jalapeno pepper Pokemon is what <laughs> I really wanted. Um as my fire grass type. So but I'll take the bell I'll take the bell peppers because those are really also really cool. Um so anything that's like super spicy. Or, honestly, I'd also love to have, like, a fire grass type that'd be, like, a cactus or something like that. Something that grows in, like, a really, really hot desert climate. I think that would be really cool. Um, This is really dark, but a grass ghost type would be something that's about to go extinct or is an extinct uh, plant. I think that'd be a really cool idea for uh, a Pokemon to have that typing. Because right now our only grass ghost types are Punkaboo and Gorgeist, which based on, like, jack-o'-lanterns and Halloween which makes sense. Trevenant, which we'll talk about later. Um, those are the only two. Oh, and then Decidueye, which isn't a plant. Um, it's an owl and it's a Robin Hood, and I love him dearly.
2: Uh, um, I'm with you there. Um, when it comes to g- the grass types in general, I just looked this up right now because I was curious if there were any type combinations related to grass that haven't been used. Uh, it looks like all of them have been used at least once, though the electric grass combination has only been used by an alternate form. And not its own standalone Pokemon, because I believe Rotom. that would be the Rotom form, right?
0: Yep. Um Electrode. Ah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Voltorb and Electrode are your grass electric types.
2: But it's so even even Hisuian Voltorb and uh Electrode are themselves technically alternate forms of the Voltorb, despite lore wise them coming first. Well they're um, not so alternate
0: forms, they're they're the regional forms. Divergent evolution, form. which we'll talk yeah. about next month.
2: Yeah 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 that's true that's true that's true Uh, but if if we were to have our own standalone unrelated to anything else type of electric grass pokemon what type of combination would be involved with that or it'd be a metal head beside that (laughs) i think that's given it's a at at minimum it's shaped like a guitar or something like that
1: (laughs) Uh, is it really bad i want a charred tree that gets hit by lightning and make no, that an electric. Awesome. That's awesome. And make that our um electric grass type. <laughs> that's awesome. Just imbued with electrical powers. <laughs> yep. This this, this <laughs> Pokemon was uh in the forest one day and was struck by lightning. Was a imbu- boot imbu- imbued with a uh, magical uh, electric powers. That's
0: the lore, right there. There you go. Pokédex entry done.
2: Here we that's go. It. We've uh, we've added Pokemon number what are we? Like <laughs> one thousand and twelve or something. i like uh,
0: All right. Next question.
2: Oh, that is me. Uh the next question actually refers to what we were talking about just now. So Connor, whose uh favorite plant type Pokemon is Trevenant, asks, Yo, what is Trevenant? Like, bruh. Question.
1: <laughs> so bruh, I got hey. you here. I got hey. I got you on this Trevenant. So Trevenant is based on two different things. So the actual plant tree aspect of it, you actually have to look at it shiny. It's shiny as a birch tree. It's yeah, got that really cool gray silver color that you see on birch trees, and then the uh, leaves are just uh the autumn colored leaves are spritz of coast, you know autumn colored leaves in the fall which is also when the birch tree gets that coloration on it is during the fall so that's the tree part of it mythology wise you have to look at its decks so you can see that it's probably so it resides in trees and bonds to a certain type of tree birch tree they are fierce protectors of the forest that they reside in and is said to devour anyone daring to ravage the forest. But if your creature dwells in it, you're safe. I'll take care of you. So, in mythology, the um, hamadryads are Greek, and they are a special type of nymph and a special type of dryad that are that similar thing. They are protectors of the forest. They protect those inside and will go after anyone that uh, um, affects them. And they also bond to a certain type of tree. Well, that's where I think the trevenant comes from you got your birch tree that looks super cool i love the shiny i finally got myself one i'm so happy
2: it's a very good looking shiny yeah
1: it took me forever and then um greek mythology based uh him and a dryad or just any like forest protector like wandering spirit in the forest or the Ents from lord of the rings
2: our next question comes from a pokemon i think oh wait no not quite uh it comes from bulbacore (laughs) whose favorite pokemon plant Pokemon, is Breloom. They ask, are there any Pokemon based on phytoplankton or an organism that works as a unit? Like mycelium. I assume I'm pronouncing correctly.
1: Um, no, unfortunately. Uh, Grain Freak has this lovely thing of going after flowers and trees because that's what fascinates most people in the world. Also, it's probably a lot easier to design um, than microscopic organisms or algae, which would be the other one that works really well as a unit together. Uh, I think that'd be cool because then you get a grass water type I think would be mm-hmm. awesome with phytoplankton Um, uh, I just don't know how they would make that. Would it be like a wishy washy type thing where you got like a school form
0: you Ooh. get like a single unit that's like
1: super super weak that's like 170 base stat total and then it gets like this monstrous like 490 500 base stat total when they all gang up together. I think that would be
0: cool. And then they become bioluminescent.
1: To... Yes that'd be cool.
2: That sounds um, like an ability right there, Madison. <laughs> I don't know what it would do, but that also that like would be
0: a
1: important. cool. Um, also, grass electric type bioluminescent. Uh, <gasps> that would well, be coolest. Uh, that'd be super cool as well.
2: <laughs> there you go, right there. Uh, it's like but, it's, it's grass water as a solo form, and then grass electric when they merge all together or something like that.
0: You're welcome for the ideas, Nintendo. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome for these ideas, Nintendo.
1: So unfortunately, no. That'd be really cool, but um, they have not yet. Uh, f- of course, uh, flowers and trees are also a lot flashier. People see them a lot more. Have like there's trees in my backyard. I have flowers in my backyard. You see them more than you will see uh, phytoplankton, which you can't see.
2: We move to our next question, which uh, sort of touches on something we mentioned way back in like minute 15 of the episode, uh, very briefly. So Jackie, whose favorite plant Pokemon is Scovil- uh, Scoville asks what plant Pokemon would have the best natural resistance to those pesky bird mons?
1: So you could think of anything that has a mechanical or physical defense. So thorns, spines, prickles. So Roserade, Roselia um, would be really good choices. Um, the issue becomes like you can't do cactuses because cactuses are actually like really beneficial to plants, to uh, um, not to plants, to birds because they can get uh, water out of them and their spines do nothing to defend them pretty much because there's animals that have adapted themselves to get around them um and then also anything that's poisonous or has like an odor that's just like no nah, we don't want you dog uh, that would be uh another point that would be another one so like violet plume which is based on the corpse flower uh that would be one cuz they only attract things that eat carrion so uh like ants and stuff like that instead
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so that would be more what i'd see as a resistance to bird pokemon unfortunately tropius is uh wouldn't do so well because woodpeckers though they don't yeah. really hurt the trees woodpeckers don't really hurt the trees unless they get like really far deep into them because they're actually beneficial but
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well my uh my tropius friend can either fly away or throw a banana at them either way uh i feel like it would
1: be just don't <laughs> send it to successful. the tundra gets bodied by the ice that's true that's very true
0: <laughs> All right, so my next question is from Taylor, who likes the decidui that is red and not green. The ancient snow uh, one. <laughs> so what plants are decidui based on? And you can answer, and I'm going to answer at the same time. And the answer is they are... They are
1: owls, uh,
0: not plants owls. at all. Not they at all. are owls
1: and Robin Hood um, Well, there's, they're, still,
0: they're still owls, right? The,
1: yeah.
0: A lot of the grass starters historically have been based on uh, extinct uh, creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, stilt owls, it fit, it fit the location, it fit, fit the background of Alola being, you know, Hawaii, and that's where stilt owls were uh, when extinct. Uh, I keep thinking about the, uh, like, the one grass star that doesn't fit, obviously, Meoscarata, but I think it's a tie into the lynx, Iberian lynx, I think. I don't know for sure. We'll get there
1: the mascara i think it's a clouded leopard
0: type thing too
1: I think that's what i looked up what i was like said it was based on but that doesn't also really make sense but i think the iberian links would be really cool
0: i mean like Wikipedia has been wrong about a lot of stuff
1: <laughs> yeah that is true
0: <laughs> uh so that's it i i just want to say thank you both of you coming i cannot wait to have you all back next month i'm excited honestly i know that we've all been talking about uh darkness branch off here in March with our own episode types and stuff. And I'm so excited for honestly, what, what the two of you have to offer. Uh, you guys are great and I'm really happy to have you on board on the team. Uh, before we go, I need to say, I need to give a shout out to a very special listener named Paul. Paul is my new, f- <laughs> my new friend. Uh, he has, uh, his, he's, uh, sent some questions in. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Paul and uh, thank you for, uh, your questions and anyone else who ever wants to send us a question besides, you know, social media, you can always send us a message at at pokysciencepodcast.gmail.com unless I notify you that it's a different email. <laughs> <laughs> Until that happens, I uh, love y'all. Have a great uh, day or whatever you're doing and we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming. Thanks, y'all.
2: Thanks. See you next time.